0: Hello, I'm Rod Butler. Welcome to Let God Speak. Today we begin a new series of studies on God's everlasting covenant. We'll start this series by going back to the very beginning in Genesis, back to the time of creation, then what happened to that perfect creation and what God did to deal with that situation. On our panel today, we have David Curry and Rosemary Malkovich. Welcome. Thank you. Before we start our discussion, let us pray. Gracious Father, as we open Your Word, we ask for the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom and understanding. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Mm. David, why is it important to understand our origins?
1: Well, Rod, we have two main areas to think about in the world today. Most people believe in evolution. It took eons of time. And in the end, we go into oblivion and nothing in the future. But I prefer the biblical understanding of creation where God is love and he made us for the purpose of love. He gave us the ideas that we could love him and have a relationship with him. This to me is far stronger than the idea that we just go into oblivion and have nothing in the future. God made us to love. He is love and he expects that love from us and that's very significant. Mm.
0: <clears throat> yes, I agree. Rosemary, is there any ambiguity from the Bible um, in regard to origins? Was our was origin a process of long periods of time or, or not?
2: Well, let's turn to, verse, uh, to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. It's a very well-known verse and it states very clearly in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. There is no question. There's no question about does God exist even. It's just straightforward, states a fact. God exists and he created everything. And then in verse 31 of the same chapter, Genesis 1:31, it says, "Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good." So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So this states in the Bible that God made the earth in six days. And in Hebrew, um, the evening and the morning is a day. And also in Hebrew, the, um, the word for day is a literal 24 hour period. So it's not long eons of time. God can do anything like that. and long eons of time are not compatible with the record of Scripture. Mm. We've got no ambiguity in here.
0: Mm. Yes, I agree. While we're still in Genesis 1, David, Genesis 1 verses 1 to 25 outlines the creation up to the point of creation of man. What was different uh, to the rest of creation compared to the creation of man?
1: Yes, well, there appears to be quite a difference here. He talks about the winged fowl, the great whales and the creeping thing and the beast. They're all into various categories. But with man, there seems to be something more specific and more intentional, I should suggest. There was uh, an intimacy that was there. And of course, this was a precision and care that was very significant. Man was made from the dust of the field. Well, I suppose others were too, but man was different in this regard that um, when Eve was made, she was made from a rib out of Adam's side. Something specific about that and the the relationship that they wanted to have with God. They were made in God's image. This of course was quite significant and with the other creatures they were made good. Mm. But here man was made very good. I'm glad that we were made very good aren't you? Mm.
0: (laughs) Just picking up on something you said about Eve Rosie, what was different to the way Eve was created compared to the rest?
1: Well, as
2: as Pastor David said, she was created from a rib from Adam's side. Now, no one else in creation record in the Bible was made in that way. She was made from his rib to stand beside him. It's a symbol of standing beside him to be his helper, not to be an inferior, to be trodden down, to be pushed around, to be beaten, even as some people are by their husbands or or friends. She was to be his helpmate. He had dominion. He had named the animals. He had chosen the names for them and even for Eve, he chose her name. But she was to be his closest companion. God brought them together in a marriage situation there in Eden where they were to procreate and they were to be have... A close relationship together, which they could not have with any of the rest mm. of God's creation.
0: Yeah, um, David, you mentioned in your previous comment about created in the image of God. Genesis one twenty six talks about, um, let us make man in our image. Just unpack that for us. What does it mean to be made in God's image?
1: Yes, there are some qualities about God that He wanted to put into mankind, and uh, these qualities were personality. Truth and beauty and meaning and reason. And through these trays of character, we see indeed some of the image of God that was certainly not in other uh, created uh, animals and so on. And man's nature was to be in harmony with the will of God. So that all the way through, when man was perfect, he was indeed in the image of God.
0: Yes. Rosemary, In regards to being um, in the image of God, what what message does that tell us about our unique status uh, in the creation?
2: Well, if we go to Psalm 8 and verses 4 to 6, it'll answer some of that. Psalm 8 verses 4 to 6 says, What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. God made man in his image and God gave man the ability to choose what they want to do. Um, We talk about other animals as having instinct, but man has the ability to choose. He has a special kind of mind that God has given him. He is a bit lower in station than the angels, but God created us to be able to have a personal relationship with him. We are social. God is social. He wants Mm. to have that relationship with us that he doesn't actually have with the rest of his creation. He looks after it all. But with man, he wants to communicate. He wants to be Mm. able to have an ongoing relationship with us.
0: Mm. He's given us an awareness that there's God, mm. and we have that relationship. Yes. David, do you have anything to add to that?
1: Yes. Uh, I like the way where he says God blessed man. God <coughs> blessed him in a special way, apart from all the other creation. He blessed him so because he was in the image of God, as we said before, and that was significant. The other thing it says there, that he spoke to them. We don't have records of him speaking to the other creation, but he spoke to them so there could be that intimate relationship, very significant and, of course, I believe very important. And um, it seems also that humans would replace the lost relationship that God had with the fallen angels. There's a text over there in Matthew, the 22nd chapter, verse 30. It says, from the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage but like angels of God in heaven. It would seem that uh, humans, when they come into a relationship with God, will be taken to heaven and will replace those angels that were lost in the beginning. Just think of the thousands of angels that were lost mm. and the thousands of created beings that will be saved.
2: I think there's billions of angels.
1: That's It yeah. that probably is. And that's a powerful <laughs> thought when you
0: consider that if we're replacing the fallen angels, you can understand why Satan would hate humanity so much. That's, mm. It. Mm. And we'll that's be right. That's right. <clears throat> so, Rosby, what can we learn from the creation account about how we should relate to other creatures, other well, beings?
2: the world was created mm. by God. The world was created perfect. It was good. It was undefiled when God first created it. When sin came in, man started abusing the world, abusing animals, abusing the earth, abusing the sea. Everything is polluted. God wants us to look after his creation. That's why he made Adam the person in charge, gave him dominion over it to look after it. And we have not done that. But that's what we should be doing. We should be doing whatever we can to look after the world. It's an obligation that God gave us. And Mm. we haven't been living up to it.
0: Mm. Well, in Genesis, we know that God put Adam and Eve in the garden, in a garden, but he also put a tree of the knowledge of good and evil in that garden. David, what's the significance of, of this tree? What's, what's yes. the, uh, the message here?
1: Well, I suppose one significance is it was only one tree. <laughs> yes. Out of all the trees that were there, there's were just one. And God had it there as a test of their loyalty, mm. a test of their obedience to God. God wanted this through love, as we said before. God is love and he wants us to have a loving relationship with him. As we love him, we want to be obedient to him. You know, there's a beautiful statement in Patriarchs and Prophets, which says, the tree of knowledge had been made a test of their obedience and their love to God. The Lord had seen fit to lay upon them, but one prohibition as the use of all that was in the garden. But if they should disregard his will in this particular, they would incur the guilt of transgression. Look, it was a really simple test. A very simple test and this one tree out of the countless trees and they were forbidden to take that otherwise it would be a grievous sin for sure.
0: Well such a simple test and we know from scripture that Eve first ate the fruit. Let's just read Genesis 3 and verse, chap- uh, verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. So Rosemary, how did they get from being in the garden (laughs) to sinning?
2: Um, If you read Genesis 3, 1 to 5, you read verse 6, um, you get the context of what had happened because the devil had come disguised as a serpent to deceive Eve into eating from the tree she'd been forbidden to eat from. And there are a few points I want to point out from these verses. One is that she and Adam were supposed to work together, but she was according to scripture at the tree alone. She should not have been alone because it's easier to to Mm. deceive one person by themselves than to deceive two or more people who are together.
0: Mm, they can support each other, yeah.
2: <clears throat> That's right. There is, there is more um, help when you have more than one person in making sure you're not deceived. Um, another point is that we tend to believe people that we know and not believe strangers, that we have no understanding of what mm. they're like and what they could be saying. But he disguised himself as a serpent a beautiful animal that she would have been used to seeing and started speaking and and using this um, serpent as a channel Mm. for him to speak to her. So she was deceived by this beautiful animal speaking, an animal speaking in her language. Mm. Um, He didn't come at her with a direct attack against God. He masqueraded it and just sort of asked questions that Mm. would lead to disbelief. And then she listened to his lies and she started to become tempted and to to not trust God. And once you don't trust God, you begin to listen to the lies, they become appealing to you. And so that in First um, John 2.16, um, we have this record that says, um, let me just go to it, First John 2.16, it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father, but is of the world. You see, those are the exact things Mm. that she was caught up on. She saw that the fruit was pleasant to behold. Well, all the fruit of all the trees was pleasant Mm. to behold. God would not make this one more special than any of the others because otherwise he is tempting them. She saw that the, the tree was, or the fruit was good for food. Well, God had said it wasn't. So suddenly she's seeing what God said, don't eat of it, it's not good for you to eat because if you eat of it, you're disobeying. She suddenly saw, hey, this food is good. It's better than all the other trees. And also she thought this will make me wise because that's what the devil had said. Mm. But it would lead her to know good and evil. Up to this point, she'd only known good. So there are a few different things that she did wrong. So no matter how appealing something should be, mm. don't rely on, on your emotions and how you feel about something. Rely on whether or not it fits with the Word of God. It won't t- go wrong. Yeah, at
0: each step, there was a rationalisation going on to justify yes. the next next course of action.
2: Yes, that's right.
0: So that was Eve. She was deceived. David, what about Adam? Why did Adam eat the fruit?
1: Well, it's rather interesting that when Paul wrote to Timothy in First Timothy, second chapter, verse fourteen. It says, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into a transgression when she brought the fruit to Adam. It wasn't deception, he could see it there. But here now was a test between his love for his new wife and his love for God. It was just as simple as that. Mm. And um, probably there wasn't much change at this particular time in Eve, but he loved her And now this was a direct um, challenge to him what he should do. And there must have been a terrible struggle in his mind knowing that if he Mm. took that fruit he'd be disobeying God. But he took it. He wasn't deceived into it but there it was very, very clearly uh, that he was going against God with willful disobedience. Mm. And that of course is what God challenges us each one today. (coughs) But it was his rebellion that plunged the whole of creation into sin mm. and took us away from the very beautiful mm. relationship mm. that Adam and Eve had right there at the very beginning. And uh, in so doing, they handed their dominion over to Satan, mm. instead of relying on God at that particular time. Mm.
0: Mm. Mm. What, what a fateful uh, decision he made. Yes. Terrible. Rosemary, just bring that home to us today, what lessons can we take from, from this in how Adam made well, his decision?
2: No matter how attractive things seem to be, watch out because there can be danger. Matthew ten thirty seven 37 tells, uh, Jesus says that if you love your father, mother, brothers, sisters, anybody mm. else more than me, you're actually in danger.
1: Mm.
2: You need to love me first and seek first the kingdom of God, etc. And so if we um, don't put God first and trust Him first, we will make mistakes. Mm. So we have to be very careful.
0: Well, they did sin, and it was a a terrible act. David, how did they react after this sin? It's quite
1: interesting. I often think about how children react when they do the wrong thing and they get caught. (laughs) They want to hide. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what Adam and Eve did. They they hid from God at that particular time. And, um, you know, in Proverbs 16 and verse 25, Solomon says, There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. It may have seemed right to them to do that, take the fruit, mm. but in the end it was a way of death. And uh, it's exactly the same today. Sin can look very attractive, but in the end it leads us into destruction and certainly alienates us from God mm. and uh, we're going our own way, the way of death. It's
0: not God that's going away from us it's sin, it's us going away from God.
1: Exactly, exactly. <clears throat>
0: So, Rosemary, just on that point, how did God respond?
1: Well, God
2: responded as, not as we would respond, but only as a God of love, a God of mercy and grace would respond. He came looking for them. He came searching for them. He came reaching out to them. He made the first move. They were hiding and he came to find them. He knew where they were, but he wanted them to respond to him. Mm. Now they responded in fear. Um, if we go to Romans 5 verse 8 it tells us but God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners Christ died for us even in sin God reached out to Adam and Eve and he does the same for us Christ died for us even when we were his enemies he gave his life for us
0: when you go through the Bible all the way through it if you look deeply you can see God reaching down to man with His mm. grace and Absolutely. mercy, extending salvation. Yeah. He's not
2: a terrible despot who is wanting to no. destroy us. He's a wonderful God who wants to live with us forever.
0: Yeah. So they they ran away. God responded by reaching out. What did He do after He called them, David? What's the next yes. thing that happened?
1: He had to meet sin with justice. He had to prove to the rest of the universe and to Adam and Eve, and indeed to Satan mm. in this case, That he was just. And so he holds a kind of a judgment, you might say. And um, they began then to realize the enormity of their sin, because this was not only just there in the Garden of Eden, but it was going to continue on.
0: Mm. We then get to a very important text. And this text really is important in context to the series we're going to be studying going forward. This is Genesis 3 and uh, verse 15. And it says, and I'll put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Rosemary, who's involved in this text?
2: Well, if we just go back to the verse before, too, there's another point there where God says to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle. And God said, on your belly, you shall go. Before that, the serpent had wings. And now it would have to slither around on the ground. So first of all, there was a snake involved in the um, verse 14.
1: And everybody hates snakes.
2: Yes. (laughs) Well, most people, some people like them. I don't. Um, In verse 15, um, God is talking in the first place to, I will put enmity between you and the woman. That is, I'll put conflict, hostility between you and the woman between Satan who had used the serpent as a channel and the woman, the human beings, Eve representing the human beings because she is the one who took the fruit. And so he is telling Eve um, also here that, well, well saying to the devil that Eve's um, seed will crush his head. And what he is saying is um, that there is going to be a redeemer come through Eve. Her seed will triumph over Satan's seed. Her seed specifically being singular is the saviour to come. Mm. But then it flows on to those who believe in the saviour. They become God's children, whereas those who follow Satan will be at enmity with those who love God. And we see that in our world today, very open hostility Mm. to people who believe in Jesus as their Saviour.
0: Now, you mentioned the word there, crush. I'm reading from the King James. It talks about bruise. Mm. David, just explain a bit more about this uh, concept of crushing bruising.
1: Yes, the Hebrew word also can mean crush as well as bruise. In fact, the New International Version does say crush. When you crush a person's head, that's the finish That's the end. God will eventually crush Satan so that he's finished, completely finished. Satan might bruise Christ's heel or the church's heel, but a bruising is not a crushing as you find there. So that is the main difference. And um, uh, there's a little bit of hope here for Adam and Eve that through this, they see that, yes, Christ might be bruised, Mm. but he won't be crushed like Satan is going to in the end. It's interesting yes. that this is right at the
0: beginning of creation, right, right at the very beginning, we have sin, but God has reached down and made a promise. And this has given hope. And from just this one verse, Adam and Eve would have known, they would have got from this, that there was going to be someone that came from their seed who was going to crush. So there was a redeemer to come. And that because it's going to kill uh, the, the serpent, Satan, that one day sin would come to an end yes. mm. and that there'd be a restoration. That's Amen. right. So we see that whilst this is a terrible calamity tragedy, God has re- again reached down and given hope.
1: Amen. And it's,
2: uh, it's interesting that with Eve, when she had children, each son she expected to be the promised redeemer. Yeah. But it was going to take 4,000 years yeah. for him to come. Yeah. Because there were a number of things that had to happen before he could and he had to come at a specific time. But they kept on looking for the Redeemer with each new child.
0: Yeah. How important was it, do you think, for God to give this message before he pronounced judgment on Adam and Eve?
2: He had to give this message first because he's a God of mercy and he's trying to give them hope. Amen. Because without this message before he gives them the judgment upon them, what is going to be their hmm. their fate. He wants to give them hope so that they are not despairing. If he just gave them the judgment first, they maybe would not have heard his message of mercy hmm. because they would be in such great despair. But by giving it first, he op- keeps them open to listening to what he's going to say next. Eve was going to have pain in childbirth and that's, followed down through all the generations and I often think of what would it have been like for her (laughs) without sin, Uh, would it have been an easy event. Um, And she was also going to now be subject to her husband Mm. instead of being his equal. And Adam was going to be having to work with his hands in the cursed soil to try to just make food for his family. So it was no longer going to be a matter of just picking some fruit off the trees as mm. he walked through this beautiful garden. They were now banished from the garden and he had to work hard.
0: Yeah. And that, that hardship also would keep his reliance on God. Yes. Mm. Dependence on God. Now, So God gave Adam and Eve a test of loyalty and unfortunately they, they failed that test. There's no longer a tree of the knowledge of good and evil around today. How is our loyalty tested today, David?
1: Yes, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. We have the Ten Commandments. They're simple, they're clear, and God wants us to love him. And if we love him, we're going to keep his commandments because Mm. they are going to help us as well. That's the important uh, fact for us today. The commandments are there for our strength and also to show our obedience to God.
2: God wants to put his image back in us.
1: That's right. And the
2: image of God is one that will obey the commandments.
1: And in the commandments, you see his character coming through. That's right.
0: That's correct, yeah. How does Jesus' death on the cross, Rosemary, um, restore our relationship with God?
2: Okay, let's look at John 3, 16, one of the most famous verses in the Bible. Um, it, it says that God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And that's what God has for everybody who will choose to accept it. Amen. So I just pray that people will do that mm-hmm. and have eternal life with God.
0: We have a very good point, very good uh, uh, points raised there. Humans were created perfect in God's image in a perfect world with a direct personal relationship with God. But sin entered and destroyed everything. However, God, in his love, reached out to restore that relationship and gave the promise of a saviour. And that saviour is Jesus Christ. And life for us today takes on true meaning and clarity only when we enter into union with our Creator. We're glad you're with us today on Let God Speak. You can watch any past programs on our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au Teachers' Helps can be downloaded from there too. You can email us on lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au. Do join us again next time. God bless.
2: You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs,
1: please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973
2: 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.